and everybody is fundamentally the ultimate reality, the self, the deep down basic whatever there is, and you're all that, only you're pretending you're not. Who we are is not this physical body that we're in that is here for a moment and gone. Who we are is this infinite intelligence, and we forget that. The same intelligence that, is, that created this infinite universe that never ends is you. And those of us seeking a way to transform life, to capture fulfillment in every now moment, to redefine our reality to live this life to its fullest. This is the Live This Life Podcast. And I'm your host, Heath Cummings. I'm here to inspire you to ask yourself the question every single day. Are you living? Are you killing time? What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. In today's episode, I have the privilege of featuring an amazing change maker that I've gotten to connect with in recent months. Alexis McQuillan is a self-awareness coach, which that in itself I found intriguing, and it's something that I really don't think that people realize is so crucial for their life. And she's got an amazing niche that you know for that area of expertise. And uh, she's the founder of I Am Moonchild, where she's a leader in helping people step into their authentic self by getting out of their head and overcoming their limiting beliefs and tapping into their untapped potential. Uh, Alexis and I have become uh, sort of acquainted through the same circles on Clubhouse, and she's got a killer IG page, which has been super duper uplifting. Uh, I use it on times when I'm at my lowest, at times when we've had conversations lately, I've told her, hey, go listen to your own stuff, because it's amazing, it's good stuff. Uh, But just scoping out some of her stories that she's had on Instagram, I came across this amazing and vulnerable video that she posted about her story, which is something I'm total sucker for. It's a great story of, of tribulations to triumphs. And hers is one that like literally brought me to tears one time. And I'm not a crier by any means. And her story was just an amazing one. Um, so because of all that, I'm glad to welcome you, Alexis, to the show and what will likely be uh, one of many times that will be on here. So welcome. Thank you. Hi. I'm Glad so we were finally laughing. able to do this. <laughs> we got got to the case of the giggles before we even started hitting the mic. So that that uh, among other things, me drinking my kombucha and uh, <laughs> worried that I'm gonna burp on the microphone, but I'm not gonna do that despite Alexis's best wishes of that happening on camera. Yeah, so. let's all manifest right now. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on? You're in Arizona, and I'm in Massachusetts. What's your temperature out there right now? What's it like? Ooh, you know what? It's uh, it's it's heating up. I think it's uh, definitely in the hundreds now. But I mean, our oh max God. is like 120. Oh yeah, it's God. crazy. You would definitely not make it out here. No, no, not at all. I mean, it's like <laughs> mid June right now, and I think we got like a whole like 75, 80 degree day. I think tomorrow's supposed to be like 95. But Are you yeah, serious? 120 is pretty brutal. But I don't know. Man, yeah, yeah. I take it over like the two feet of snow that we get sometimes. I'll take 120 in the middle of the summer. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I wouldn't even know what to do with snow. Like, if I walked outside and it was like in my driveway, I, I would have no idea. That's your first mistake. We're just we have capped it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is the lowest out there? Like the lowest it gets as far as temperature goes. Yeah. Oh, like it'll get like negative ten, negative fifteen sometimes with wind chill and stuff. Yeah. Nope. Nope. 
Yeah, See, I wouldn't no. make it out there. Yeah, no, you, no, you <laughs> wouldn't. No. So, yeah, like I said, Alexis and I connected on Clubhouse. We're in a lot of the same similar rooms. And just mindsets between the two of us have just definitely is something that I have felt would be a great match for the show. And I definitely want to have Alexis on here more often and uh, have some of these conversations because bounce some things off. And this conversation today will definitely show everybody, you know, why uh, I think she's got some amazing, amazing content is definitely one of the up and coming change makers in sort of the area of self-improvement and everything. Uh, all, all things spiritual manifesting and talking about getting great stuff into your life. Thank you, man. That means a lot. That really means a lot coming from you. You always say the nicest things and I really appreciate it. You're like, well, a, have you such come a on good, the show and say support. bad stuff, you know? <laughs> Could you imagine? You see my Instagram, it's amazing. And then I come on and I'm just here like, what? So Alexis what is, is all person? right. I mean, she could make some improvements in some of the stuff that she does. So we're here to critique her pretty hard today. <laughs> <laughs> So I ask a pretty predictable and somewhat cliche question, but it usually has awesome answers. Uh, what does it mean to live your best life, according to Alexis? Best life. Best life. Not living in New England where it snows two feet at a time. Yeah. yeah. You're like the most cl cliche question. I'm like, what's not like, should I just do a cliche answer? But no, um, you know what? I would say the best life is, <laughs> it's kind of what I teach, but it is stepping into your most authentic self. Mm -hmm. It is outside of the egoic mind, outside of the auto drive, outside of the shoulds, the supposed tos, the have tos, um, and really just being happy and making choices aligned with uh, what makes you happy. Um, and that would be my best life, like the ultimate freedom whatsoever outside of the thoughts and, and all of the inner critic and the judgment, all the things. That's my best life. And it's so true that sometimes that inner critic and those things we say about us are so worse than anything anybody in the world actually says, you know, we, yeah. we people become like reclusive or, you know, they, they, you know, isolate themselves because they supposedly don't like people. And sometimes we're the ones who are the hardest on ourselves. So, you know, I definitely resonate with that one because at certain points I had the, those self-defeating types of things going on. You know, what's really cool is like, it's something that I've been really paying attention to attention to recently because sometimes I would leave, you know, social situations um, and the inner critic, the ego, the, you know, the thoughts would just go ah, like crazy. And um, something I learned was we only take in 134 bits of data per second out of thousands and thousands of data. So when we're in social situations, how we're perceiving a moment could be completely different than how somebody else is perceiving the moment um, based on all the five senses. So like hearing, um, you know, taste, smell, uh, what am I missing? Touch. Touch. <laughs> Something else. <laughs> Something else. <laughs> Why can't I think of it right now? But all the five senses. And so I always tell myself, I'm like, just because they made some kind of weird eye movement and I think that they're judging me, like that's probably not why they made that eye, you know, that eye movement or um, had that specific gesture. Like they, they're having their own experience that I have no idea what's happening. And uh, so uh, 
yeah, I don't know how I got into that, but yeah, the inner, the inner critic, I'm just, I'm stepping outside of that and understanding it's ego and that we really don't even understand everything that's happening within the moment. Mm. Our, our ego judges so much. I mean, it's, it's so hard to go through even, even starting an ego death. It's so hard to even initiate it. And it's probably one of the best things anybody can do. It was the best thing that I went through and I probably had to do it like three times. Like that sucker wouldn't die. Like, <laughs> it was just come on, you beat it to death Whoa. and then you think you did. You know? But it, it honestly is one of the most freeing things once that complete ego death dies and i'm not even sure that it's completely there although i don't know i I guess i'd be the kind of person who in years past would have all these good things that have been going for me over the last like five years and been like hey look at this you know there's i'm like uncomfortable almost with the accomplishments and stuff and the congratulations and when someone passes by me like they did yesterday and just say hey love your show i'm like yeah, th- thanks. Like, like, really? Oh, yeah. It's it's still weird to step into it. It's it's really weird when you see somebody in public just say, "Hey, live this life," and you just kind of like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you like. But the thing is, is that that takes a long time and it's a long process. And we're definitely going to dive into this in a future episode about the ego death, and we'll probably dive into it. And actually, in a few minutes, but um, before we go off on our tangents because you and I dive into all sorts of stuff in in some clubhouse rooms and everything else. I want to dive into your story first before we we, we dish into everything. But um, And I know this one is, you know, like I said in that video that you posted, it was an emotional one and it was a a very touching story, but I think it has ultimately an awesome ending. So wherever you want to start and end from, I'm going to let you just dive in and see wherever that goes and let people get a taste of sort of what brought you to where you are today. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's it it was very emotional. So, um, and I've told it several times afterward, but it, it just um it's a hit or miss when I get emotional, when I don't get emotional, you know, it just it just depends. But um yeah, for those of you guys that don't know me, um I grew up uh with a very, very severe alcoholic and drug addict mother. Um she was addicted to any alcohol that she can get her hands on, um, prescription drugs, and she would mix them. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of things that happened within her life that probably led her to that moment. But I think that she started drinking when she was about 13 years old. So by the time that she had me and my brother um, in her 20s, I mean, she'd been drinking for a while. And um, there is a lot to my story, but she did become a severe, severe alcoholic. And for the first, you know, 10 years of my life, it was pretty functional. Um, I mean, functional in the sense of like, she still had a job, she could work, she could go to work and, you know, not get drunk. Um, But my childhood was like very, um, it felt predictable. You know, when you have an alcoholic mother, it feels pretty predictable because you know, you know, what's going to happen when you come home from school, like she's going to be there. But, But the shitty part is it's scary because my mom was so sweet and loving. Like she would, you know, play with my hair and rub my back and, you know, help me with my homework. But um, when she would drink even literally like, I don't know, like four ounces of alcohol, like I don't know if her body couldn't take it, but she, um, she'd become something different, like something very frightening. Um, Her eyes would get glossy and it's like almost like you were staring into like, the devil like it was so bizarre and she'd be slurring her words and 
stumbling around and you know taking her clothes off even if like we had friends over like she was so incapable and incoherent that like she'd be taking her clothes off and um bumping into countertops and knocking herself out on the floor and sometimes like it was so bad and she was just so depressed that my brother would have to stay up at night making sure that she wouldn't cut herself or uh kill herself and and for me what i did growing up is like i would just go to friends houses or i'd go to you know anywhere i can get out of the house and away from my mom so i didn't have to witness this because as a child like you don't know how like if you don't have anybody there to support you emotionally or help you understand what's happening like what are you gonna do so what i did was run away my brother he stayed at home um just you and your brother like and your mom that was the only people in the house yeah so during the time i mean it, it's a very long story but during the time that i, I think i'm talking about is uh, my dad was working in a different state for a while so it was just my mom and my brother and i and um um, so anyway, so about 10 years old, my dad was like, wow, like she's out of control. Like I got to get you guys out of there. Cause by that time they had split up. Um, so he took my brother and I, and we moved in, um, with him and his girlfriend and her two kids in a very small apartment. And that alone was a very traumatic experience too. Like, like I said before, like moving in with my mom was, I mean, living with my mom was very predictable. Like I knew, I knew an alcoholic, like I know how to deal with that. But living with another woman who was a very angry, very angry woman, um, and I, it felt very unsafe. Like, I was walking on eggshells all the time. Um, so that was for the majority of my life. So in, in my 20s, um, I had created boundaries with my mom at that point. Because at that point, she was not working. She could not work. Like, she, I think she lost her job because she w took her clothes off, was naked, passed it on the floor to work. Um, so she had this boyfriend that was, you know, taking care of her and, um, I, I created boundaries. I'm like, mom, you cannot, you know, come stay with me. You cannot talk to me if you are intoxicated. Um, and Which throughout, you know, like that takes a lot, that takes a lot to put that wall up and like, this is the, the boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, there was something crazy happened that she, you know, came to my apartment. She got so intoxicated and my friends were there. I had, I, at the time, I didn't know what was happening to me. I had a full-blown panic attack at work and passed out when a customer was in front of me. Like, I didn't even know at the time what, what that was. Like, I was just, my body was reacting because I was, it was so traumatic for me for her to show up like that. Um, but she was, uh, yeah, severe in the point to, especially by, you know, the age 23, like ICU visits all the time, um, in and out of rehab, um, you know, cutting herself. So ICU visits, pumping her stomach from alcohol. And I don't know if you know anything about, do you know about alcoholism is like when you start drinking at such a young age, 13 years old, um, you revert, like, as you keep drinking throughout time your mind starts reverting back to that age so mm. i'd go to her house and she'd have like sparkly pink walls and she'd wear light-up shoes and she'd have stuffed animals all over her bed and, and it was very like weird i was like am i the mom like what's happening here wow um yeah it was really it was sad it was really sad um so anyway so this one time um i was 23 years old and she's like i want to come stay with you lexi and i was like okay like all right, and and I 
and at this point she's like yeah like she she would lie to me a lot and she'd be like i was 30 i've been 30 days sober and i was like okay you can come stay and this was a week before my birthday my um 24th birthday and this was august of 2015 and she she comes um she was on her way and and she'd been to my house uh, multiple times like she had my address she's a very intelligent woman like she knows how to get places and her boyfriend was taking her um and uh she calls me and she's like lex lexi like lexi where's your house like it, you could just tell like from her voice i was like "Ooh, uh, red flag <laughs> mm-hmm. that doesn't sound good um and i started feeling like please don't be like, please, 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 please don't be intoxicated. Like I cannot handle this right now. And um, so anyway, so she gets there, she pulls up in her truck and I remember coming outside to meet with them and she's pulling up in the truck with her boyfriend and she looks out the window and her eyes are glossy, bloodshot. You know, you've seen people that are drunk, like not good. And I, I feel like I blacked out because I was so angry i was like i cannot believe this bitch showed up i know i'm using that word but like i would never call my mom that but you know what i mean um i cannot believe she's showing up at my house this intoxicated so she gets out he gets out and they want to move you know different boxes and maybe birthday presents into my garage or whatever and i was like what are you doing i could cuss on this right oh yeah oh yeah okay because <laughs> um i was like what are you doing like are you intoxicated right now? She's like, no, no. And I was like, get the fuck, get the fuck out. Get out of here. And I told her boyfriend, I was like, you can put your stuff in the garage, but she needs to go. She's not staying with me. He's like, okay. Uh, <laughs> Cause I was angry. And, uh, and she's like, well, uh, Lexi, can I use your bathroom? And I was like, fine, like fine. Go in, go in the bathroom. The bathroom's like right outside the garage. And so, or inside yeah right outside the garage inside and so i'm helping him and my intuition was just like and this is before i even knew what intuition was mm-hmm. and i was just like "Ooh, i'm getting chills as i'm actually talking about this because i was like i just knew i freaking knew something was off it had only been like 30 seconds to a minute too like she could have easily just been going to the bathroom so i walk in bathroom door open lights on and i was like <sighs> i was so Oh my God, I was so angry because I knew exactly where she was. She was upstairs, probably going through my cabinets for pills. And so I was like, mom, where? I don't even actually, I don't even know what I said. I probably said like, mom, where the fuck are you? And I just hear her pitter pattering, you know, down the hallway, down the stairs. And she looks at me like, kind of like, what? And I was like, get the fuck out of my house right now. Get the fuck out. And she's like, sweetie, like, uh like barely talk like she's so intoxicated and she's like can i get a glass of water and i don't know why i kept saying like fine but i was like fine so she follows me to the kitchen my back is turned to her i'm opening the cabinet i'm gonna get a glass and as i'm getting a glass reaching for the glass i hear or i don't know how to do a zipping sound (laughs) my backpack is unzipping and at the time i was on adderall because i had adhd um and it's unzipping and my Adderall is in there. She knows this. Um, and I turn around, put the glass down and I, and I do remember this. I said, are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, and I, I lost, I blacked out. I for sure was like, get the fuck out, get the fuck out of right now. Blah, blah, blah. Cause like not, she had never, 
yes, she's been an alcoholic. She's been addicted to prescription drugs, but she had never, ever, at least of my knowledge, tried to steal from me. And I will tell you this right now. I had never, ever yelled at my mother in my entire life until that point. Well, you brought and it so, to that level because you've never had that level of what's going on with her come up. It's like unmatched, unprecedented, Matt, which with unprecedented, you know? It was so insane. Heath, like, it was a very heightened, heightened experience for me. Um, so anyway, so she leaves and uh, I don't talk to her for a couple days. And then my birthday hits and... But also, I hadn't heard from her, but, like, she, she, for years, she had texted me every single day. Hey, Lexi, it's mom. Love you. I hope you have a good day. And she didn't do that for a few days. And then she called me. And, and, and then on my birthday, she didn't say anything. And I was like, that's really weird. Like, what's going on? So then she calls me, um, I think, the day after. And she's like, hey, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I've been in rehab. Um I've been in rehab. I'm sorry I didn't get to call you on your birthday. Happy birthday. Like, whatever. I actually have a voicemail, and every once in a while when I get emotional and I miss my mom, I'll listen to her voicemails and then just, like, bawl my eyes out <laughs> in front of my mirror like a loser. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but anyway, so she – so, yeah, so she uh, was like, I'm in rehab. And I was like, wow, well, I'm really happy you're there. Um, and then I find out, you know, she went to the ICU within that week um and then ended up in rehab of course and then um it comes that friday and i think i talked to her the day before and i was like mom i just i and she in in all throughout my life she'd be like lexi i'm not it's not gonna happen again i'm not gonna drink anymore i'm done i promise you i'm done and i've heard that so many times that at this point in my life like i was i mean 24 now so i was like you know what it is what it is uh she, she's she's an alcoholic like mm -hmm. it's gonna happen i hope she gets better but i don't i don't know what to feel about that anymore so it didn't upset me when she would say those things and so um uh so comes friday and i remember being at work and i was like i just kept getting like a weird feeling really weird feeling and I was like, I don't think my mom's doing good. I was telling my coworkers, it's like, you know, everyone in my life always said that, that she would die. And I was just like, no. And I kept that Friday. I was like, man, like, I don't, I don't know about my mom. Like, I feel weird. Come Sunday, I get a call in the morning from my aunt. And she, um, oh, <laughs> hold on. I get a call from my aunt and uh, she, uh, she says, Lexi, your, uh, your mom passed away. I'm so sorry. She overdosed. And uh, she was found in a trailer. Um, and uh, she, yeah, she had cuts on her arms, but like, so I don't know if it was suicide, but like she definitely, um, we found on her autopsy report that she had like 27 different pills in her system, methadone that she found from the, the, in the trailer next to her. And uh, I was like, oh my God. And I told my aunt, I was like on the phone after she, I was like, this is all my fault. This is all my fault. She died because I yelled at her and I carried so much of that like pain and thought it was my fault. And I carried so much guilt and regrets 
and I couldn't believe I yelled at her and I couldn't believe that those were my last moments with my mom in person. Oh, I didn't think I was going to get emotional. I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry. I mean, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to say Don't I'm apologize. And, uh, um, but I will say, and I say this in my video on my Instagram too, is like, you know, my last moments before her were awful, but I will say my last words to her on the phone were, I love you. Mm-hmm. And I will like forever, like that's so powerful to me. And I'm so happy that I got to say that to her. <laughs> but like, it's, it's, I don't know. Like, I have the feeling that there's like these soul contracts that we go through before we even come here, right? Like, it's so easy for someone who went through everything that you went through to end up in the same place, to go down the road of alcoholism, to pop every pill and every single thing you can come across. And like, we've, I, I know you're con- like, we've had conversations and I kind of know where, where, you know, some of this goes and everything. So it's got an awesome ending and, you know, uh oh. <laughs> like, I need but something. <laughs> the, um, I know that the, the, the ending to all this is leading to an amazing person who's just got this amazing outlook on life and everything but you could like think about where some of these kids go i mean in my entire course of my career i've seen these stories i see how they play out and they often go on repeat you know the next generation this is all they've ever seen and all they've ever learned and it was like what an amazing challenge you had what an amazing challenging childhood that you had and if you were trying to evolve everything that you were to such a grander state what a greater challenge than to go through everything that you went through and have these circumstances with your mom i mean obviously if you had the choice neither one of you i'm sure if you could unzip and step out of everything be like no this is not the way i wanted to go down but you look at what you went through and what it's led to as a person and it's like okay it's easy when you've got a great childhood to end up as a person who's got things put together who's got great perspectives and everything but like what an amazing challenge to end up where you are now having gone through all of this you know and one thing that i sort of want to call you out on real quick is like you say i look i listen to my mom's message like a loser like that's absolutely not not (laughs) someone who's who's like uh, you know you have an emotional connection and I can't imagine that I would do anything different, no matter who it was. Like if I had a message saved from somebody after they had passed, um, I know I would keep it forever. I my grandmother passed away a year ago, and she used to call and leave messages on my home phone, which no one does, and we never check it. And the only messages on there are probably her, and I know that there's probably one on there from her. And I, you know, I haven't even checked it yet because I know when I hear it, I'm gonna lose it myself. But uh, you know, yes. like this like what an amazingly challenging story and and you know like who knows why all this was supposed to happen but the greatest and grandest version of a person who could have come out of it is this isn't you're not the type of person that you would have expected have gone through this kind of thing so you have to take all this kind of stuff into consideration yeah no sorry Um, yeah, no, you're you're 100 percent right about and when you said a uh, soul contracts I was like whoa I thought about this because I was like, um, you know, part of my journey uh, is the spiritual side, which of course we can get into, but I do feel a hundred percent that I have a soul. I had a soul contract with my mom. I feel that that was part of her path. Um, 
is to whether it was through alcoholism, um, it could have been a car crash, it could have been cancer, it could have, whatever it is. I feel like that was the moment that she was meant to pass away. And regardless of the situation, I was meant to be on the uh, the other end and go through my own, you know, dark night of the soul or depression, anxiety and shit show uh, to get to where I am today. Like there's absolutely no way in hell I would be at where I am now without her passing like a hundred percent. And that's not to say I wish she wasn't here, but also like she's out of her suffering. Uh, she's no longer in pain and she's one of my guides, my spirit guides, my uh, angels, whatever anybody wants to call it. Like she's a hundred percent guiding me. I have facts and facts upon facts on that. And it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Like that's just part of life. Mm -hmm. It is. And that's like one of the, the best mindsets people can take when it comes to those challenging circumstances in life. Cause it's so easy to just get trapped in everything in the story that you just said, like, why did my last conversation with her have to, you know, these the last few conversations with her have to be this way and these incidents happened that led up to the, the end. But it's it's easy to get stuck in that circle, which is going to lead to what? It's just going to lead to regret. It's going to lead to just everything that's not going to lead to happiness and progression in your life. Like, you're allowed to have your moments. You're allowed to be sad when you tell the story. Like, no matter how much you might get emotional. Thank you. You're allowed to have those things, but then ultimately, moments later, you're smiling, talking about how she's with you, and you think this is for, you know, whether it happened the way that it did or something else, it was meant to do something to help you lead an open door to end up towards some sort of potential, which was ultimately your choice. You could have stayed in that pattern, started drinking yourself because you went through some stuff, or use it to transform into something completely different, which anybody who takes the certain choice and when they're presented with that fork in the road it you know it's ultimately your own choice and the people who take the high road have to look at life that way yeah and you know what i do want to be transparent i agree completely with you and i had made the choice to not drink and all the things but i will say when she did pass away like i never had alcohol in my house like i just i didn't i didn't have an addiction to the adderall that i was taking and uh, I want to be transparent. I 100% lost my shit. I went into the unhealthiest levels of depression, anxiety, uh, and I uh, had a repetitive pattern for like two years. I drank a bottle of wine every night. I went to work, numbed myself with Adderall, came home, drank a bottle of wine, went to sleep. That was my life. I was so not okay. Um, what snapped and, you uh, out of that is the key. What was it that snapped you out of that pattern? Um... You know, I, I want to, well, it, you know what? It is myself, but it's actually kind of a cool story and I'll just be quick about it. Um, but uh, my, I was so depressed and my best friend, I mean, I didn't know anything about the metaphysical worlds. My best friend sent me a podcast of a psychic medium and I was like, whoa, this is really cool. And I immediately was like searching for mediums, psychic, and for somebody that doesn't know what that is, it's somebody that can connect with dead loved ones on the other side who have passed away connect with them and, and communicate um and not in the creepiest freaking like psychic way that you see on the tv shows like it's very beautiful <laughs> it's light and love <laughs> right. um so i'm you know searching psychics in the area uh, mediums in the area and for me i'm not going to drive across town like 30 minutes 40 minutes away to get to a psychic medium right i'm going to find someone in my area that's how i jam usually so I find one. It's called Chicks with Spiritual Gifts. Um, 
And the funny part is, is that like, I'm the kind of person usually that will, I'm going to look at, I was skeptic at that point. I'll look at all the reviews, right? I'm going to make sure it's in my area. And for some reason, and also the name chick with spiritual, with spiritual gifts, like what? Like, no, that sounds like a freaking skeptic. Like that is not a freaking legit psychic medium, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't know what it is. On the bathroom stall door, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but exactly. it's catchy. Yes, exactly. So for some reason, I just saw it and I booked it. And uh, on the day of, she's like, hey, Alexis. She sends, you know, a confirmation text. She's like, hey, Alexis, can't wait to meet you. Here's the address. It's in Phoenix, not in Gilbert. It's 40 minutes away. Weird. Because on my maps, on my Google, my phone maps, it showed in Gilbert. So I was like, that's weird. Why would it? Okay. So I drive out there. She connects me to my mom. She connects me to my grandfather. She knows things that there's no, I hadn't talked to anybody about. Even things I was thinking about a day prior. It was the coolest experience. And there was a moment in the site, like the reading. And she was like, she's like, Alexis. And, and this was in, uh, it was uh, cold outside. It was winter for us. I know that's like laughable to you guys, but. <laughs> the whole 60 degrees. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like 70 degrees. I'm like winter. Yeah. Um, I was wearing long sleeves. And uh, she's like, Alex, your mom keeps like saying like, look at her arm, look at her arm. She's like, um, and I was like, what? I was like, like this. And, she, and I like pulling up, like maybe there's something on my skin. So I'm pulling up my sleeves and I, um, anybody just listening to this, I have a tattoo on my wrist. It's a Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows tattoo. So it's a triangle with a circle through the middle um, and then a line uh, vertically all the way down through the middle, if that makes sense. Um, she's like, that, what is that? I was like, oh, it's like Deathly Hallows. And she's like, she pulls out her business card, Heath, and her business card is this symbol without the line through the middle, but just the triangle and the circle. And Whoa. there's a purple butterfly in the middle purple butterflies remind me of my mom like anytime i'd see them i'd be like my mom like that's her thing purple butterflies throughout my entire life wild yes and she's like i'm getting chills i i feel like my mom's presence right now i'm getting chills right now um purple butterfly in the middle and she's like your mom sent me to you so at first you know a normal human would be like well maybe like your brain picked up on the purple butterfly and booked it how is it that she's in phoenix and her listing came up on my Google Maps in Gilbert. Like, even and you that probably just wouldn't have picked of... her if she was in Phoenix. Yeah, no, exactly. and chicks with spiritual gifts? Absolutely not. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. Like, I don't believe in the word coincidence. You know, it's no. the, the, type of the, the, the word that I usually use is, is synchronicity because that's a meaningful coincidence. And even coincidence, like the, the things that happen when – you know, you're thinking of somebody and they call right away and there's no indicators. There's there's even all the way down to those things where like a mom knows that something's wrong with their child. How do you explain that kind of stuff? Like some of the weird coincidences that happen don't there's the, the impossible probability of those things happening don't happen. And the fact that I can't win a single dollar on a lottery ticket and the odds, you know, are way lower than some of these things that happen, like the odds of you seeing that symbol on the person's business card with the purple butterfly like what are the odds of not only the symbol but the purple butterfly like you put both of those things together like come on and someone people but the thing is people who dismiss that stuff 
haven't really opened their minds to that many things. And people who are sort of, I guess, that close-minded to just think that's a, some sort of, you know, a chance happening that just happened to, you know, formulate in the impossible odds that it would have, are also maybe the kinds of people who wouldn't see the higher meaning in some of the other things that are meant to be there to nudge them in right directions. Like, I'm sure mm. if you trace back some of those tough times that you went through right after your mom passed away, there were probably little nudges along the way where maybe she was there or guides, whatever, like you said, there was probably yeah. little things along the way that you didn't realize were going on that right now, if those things were to happen, you'd have been like, oh, I'm getting some sort of a nudge to go in a direction away from this potential harm or destructive behavior or something that's not in my highest evolutionary path. So yeah, hopefully those yeah. people listen to shows like this and then open up their eyes a little bit more and, you know, but yeah, that's amazing. yeah, it is really cool. And also like for anybody out there that's like, well, I don't know, man. Um, like two other things is like, I didn't have social media at the time. Uh, there was no obituary. There's nothing online about my mom's death. And when I showed up, she had a whole paper written and it was like, and she's like, yeah, like, so, and she was connecting in the moment too. And she was like, your mom passed away from this. Like there was drugs and alcohol, blah, blah, blah. Like everything. I didn't have to tell her anything. I wasn't talking at all. Wow. Um, and then also something that happened that was really cool that she brought up in the mediumship reading. Um, I think a week after my mom passed away, I was laying in bed. And I used to hallucinate like weird stuff. Like now I think it's multidimensional stuff, but like I would see like crazy stuff and it would scare the shit out of me. And I'd stare at it in my room for like five minutes until it would just like go away. Um, but I remember waking up and my mom was standing at the edge of my bed after she passed away. And, uh, and I just remember, this is vivid. Oh, I'm getting emotional again. I haven't talked about this in forever. Um, and I just remember saying, hi, mom. And I remember her just like patting my, I couldn't feel anything, but patting my foot. And I just remember going back to sleep. And wow. in the reading, she brought that up. No way. Swear. No way. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. I've never done anything like one of those, like like a psychic or anything yet. Like I vowed to do certain things this year. Like I'm, I'm going to do one of those float tanks. I'm going to go hit, uh, you know, psychic and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm excited to see in my own experience, what kind of things would pop up like that? Because I mean, there's, what are the, how would they know some of those things? Like how would, how can you explain that? I'd love to hear somebody explain those things away that, Oh, you know, they look this up or they look that up. Like, how do you explain that kind of stuff away? Yeah. No, yeah, it's so true. Like they can't. And the only reason I and I was really curious about this. So I actually took so from the medium, she unfortunately, her name's Terry chicks with spiritual gifts. She passed away. But um, a year after I think I ended up taking psychic and mediumship classes from her because I was just so I was like, this world is so like, whoa, like, this is insane. Like, how is this a thing? So I took classes from her. And, and I because she told me during the reading, she's like, you know, that you're very intuitive, like extremely intuitive, right? And we did like a little thing during it. That was pretty crazy. Um, so I took her classes. And I ended up uh uh, learning how to trust my intuition in the sense of uh, telling people, like, I remember being blindfolded back to back in chairs with somebody else. And I remember seeing like certain like different symbols. And I was and we would just have to say, you know, what, who do we feel like we're bringing through? And I remember seeing something that reminded me of twins. So I was like, 
twins and then like some my knees hurt a little bit in that moment i was like grandfather twin grandfathers and the girl like twisted around she took off her blindfold and she was like dude my grandpa had a twin he died and then four months later his grandpa or his brother died like it was a whole thing and i was like whoa and there's so many instances of these but like it was a moment where i was like okay i'm not crazy i'm not yeah. fucking crazy i don't know this girl wow insane that's, that's, that's wild <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is like all those things add so many what ifs to life. You know, there's there's so much we don't know. And we think we've got a grip on things like we don't have a grip on the things we think we have a grip on at all in life. No. And when you ponder some of these these what ifs in life across all spectrums, you know, like some of the episodes I recently talked about was like the hermetic principles and stuff. That's I think the most recent one of the most recent ones that have come up. And it's like they knew some of these things thousands of years ago and it's like taken us to build this multi-billion dollar hadron collider to figure out that the philosophy that everything down at its smallest level is vibration and then we had to build this machine like oh yeah the guys back about three or four thousand years ago were right about that one you know like we think we have a grip on stuff and we have literally no idea how this universe operates like we just have no idea but the thing is those what ifs i feel like make life so much more interesting if you just ponder things like what you're saying as a what if this is actually true what if these things have actual validity to them yeah i feel like remember i was talking to you a while back and i was like i know this guy and he's like doesn't ever talk and he was working for area 51 for yeah. most of his life and um and then um we were all like hey like uh tell us like you know about area 51 and he would never do it and then all of a sudden one day he's like let me just tell you you don't even have any any clue about anything like that's all he would say but like then my like mind started like really and i'm like well i feel like i know a lot but like i know i don't know everything like there's probably ah it just it's so magical that's the best word yeah yeah i mean that's that's typically what we describe things that we don't fully understand is as some sort of magic but it's like once we understand some of these things we end up understanding that it wasn't magic at a certain point i mean god if you would have went back you know 500 years ago with a lighter they would have thought you were a witch or something you know yeah. like just but simple stuff like that and there's just some of the things that like we're seeing now with the the craft that the government is acknowledging exists and i mean i just saw the other day a patent that the navy actually went through with uh had a patent number in the u.s patent office granted it to them they don't grant patents for experimental things that they don't actually see in operation they generate patents for stuff that is actually tangible and they've seen it operate so they've got these aircraft that do crazy stuff but it's a legitimate, yeah oh yeah it's a legitimate patent i looked up the number saw the u.s patent i'm like okay so we actually have patented technology that's beyond anything that any of us com- comprehend i read some of the stuff in the patent and i'm like way over my head and i've got kind of a good understanding of some advanced stuff just because i've looked into this stuff sure. so i'm a geek about it we know nothing like we legit know nothing so when we talk about the things that some people could be naturally tapped into or like yourself like you have a natural level of an intuitive capability but you didn't strengthen it you know like that's just like having somebody who is just like a crazy like i'm a meathead boxer athlete kind of person so it's like you take somebody who would maybe have a natural talent as a boxer and then you don't have them do it but then the first time they really get in there they have this like 
hard ingrained ability to be this that was kind of me apparently my great great grandfather was some sort of boxer and my what? grandfather wasn't, my father wasn't, but all of a sudden I just got into it and, you know, Whoa. a little bit of toot my own horn, but I was like really good for quite a few years. And it was like, oh yeah, your great grandfather was into that stuff. It's like, we have these abilities that we just don't know. So like for you, you have that, that ability as an intuitive person, but it's, you didn't really have it. You didn't know you had it, but you had it in a way that it would pop itself into your life every once in a while. But then when you started to look into it a little bit more, you start to strengthen it up and it was like, oh yeah, I have this intuition and now it's turned into almost like a superpower. You just had to nurture it a little bit, you know? Yeah, totally, completely. Sorry, I'm stuck on this like boxer thing that you said because <laughs> you know how like, so every cell in our body holds memory. I've just yeah. been thinking about this so much lately. Everybody in our cell holds memory and it also holds, you know, ancestral, you know, uh, trauma, but mm -hmm. also, if it's holding memory and your grandfather was a boxer and you're really good at boxing, like how is there, I don't know how, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about as far as like skipping, you know, generations, but I wonder if like you held on or tapped in to some of that cell DNA to be able to do, be good at boxing. I don't know. Just thinking out loud here. But, <laughs> thinking but it's out nuts. loud. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we never know what's actually what's there is some sort of a latent ability you know that's why yeah. i'm saying just like those what ifs you ask those what ifs of everything but like those things that lay underneath the surface and then all of a sudden sort of rear their heads as as oh i actually have this thing let me nurture it a little bit more like you had someone tell you like oh you're very intuitive you almost had to have that person tell you you have this totally. thing before you actually opened up that that sort of egg and and yes. hatched that you know Yes, totally. Yeah, I would agree because I, I didn't know. I didn't know what that was. And also even like being a self-awareness coach now, like I wasn't self-aware back then. Like I thought I was, I was like, I'm emotionally resilient and I'm this and that. But like now I'm like, whoa, like there's so much I didn't know. And you know how like when you're like, even in your teen years or even in your twenties, you're just like, I, I got this handled. I know yeah. everything. Yeah. And then you get older, you're like, I know nothing. 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 That is, <laughs> that is like such like a huge like uh, aha moment for me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, being able to like recognize like, no, I think I know everything now, but really, nope, nope, nope. I mean, nope. I, can, I can go back five years where I can actually think of that person that I was even five years ago and how much that person didn't have a clue. I mean, it was five years this year that I went through my dark night of the soul, and I was an absolute wreck i was a mess sure. i oh yeah like like went down all sorts of deep holes where just life wasn't resonating and all that stuff and it was like i never felt more out of control in my life than i did then i felt like just literally everything was crumbling around me and it, it, mm -hmm. everybody was people who are in the know people that i was connected with it's like sometimes you just gotta let these things process just let it go and since then, I've had much worse things that maybe could have even led to a further dark, another dark night of the soul. Because I feel like yeah. I've gone through like two significant ones in my life. Well, one was a deep ego death, and the other one was almost like a second ego death of the career guy, the the version of like the cop type stuff that I was being. And it was like the death of that one that happened about five years ago. It's like you have no idea anything about your life you know like 10 years from now where am i going to be you know what sort of knowledge am i going to have 
crossing paths and talking about all the stuff that we talk about? What understanding am I going to have about life then? You know, it's exciting to think about. It is really, really exciting. It's so true. And I totally know what you mean with like, you know, the dark night of the soul, because at first when I went through one, I was like, what's happening to me? And, uh, and then I went through another one and then I went through another one. And I think I'm just going to go through one every year. Like at this point, I'm just like two times a month. Like, let's go. It's <laughs> like, it's just fucking all the time. Um, but you know what, you know how I was like, I don't know if I can record, like I'm having a week. I'm just, I'm in a funk and I told you why, but it was kind of difficult to explain. Whereas now it, in the past, I would have been like, this is a dark night of the soul. This is depression. This is, you know, X, Y, Z, I would label it. Whereas now I'm at a point in my life where I, when I'm having these like moments of it's a funk when really it's like, whoa, like there's no personality. There's no thoughts. There's no belief. There's no identity. It's just being. It's one with consciousness, the collective consciousness. It's just I'm here now and there's no attachment to anything. Um, it's a very interesting thing to be able to observe from the outside without the ego coming to the forefront and being like, you're not okay, you're depressed, like something's off here because the ego is fighting so hard to attach to an identity. Right. And that's what I've been going the past week. I'm like floating around in my pool. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Like I just am nothing right now. But like that is what we, we it's not that we're nothing. We're just love. We're just pure love and being. There is no identity or beliefs or uh, labels or whatever. And so... Um, I'm just curious if like maybe like how I portray that is that how you felt during the dark night of the soul or do you think because um, you were in it your ego was like attacking it and being like you're not okay like this is like we got to revert to your old being yeah like I, I think because my ego was so strong and like a lot of the listeners of the show I have this huge like piece of people who've discovered this about me who knew me back in the day who are, i guess the latecomers to some of the stuff i've got going on like it, it made it big everywhere else and i kept it like a secret identity and then it got too big enough where people sure. locally were starting to find out and some of the people were like damn man you've like completely transformed like high school <laughs> i was this little hellion driving around in a car with a loud stereo and all that crap and then at 19, well, 18 years old, I moved into law enforcement. By 19, I was like full on on the streets kind of cop oh. person. And then all the way through to age, what, 38, I was a police officer. And it was at that 37-year-old barrier where – so basically like maybe seven or eight years before that, I went to the first dark night, dark night of the soul that killed the guy that was like unbearable, like – boxer SWAT team guy like super rigid just gross like just absolutely gross when that that guy kind of died but still the egoic sort of police officer of all that you know typical stuff that you'd see from those kind of guys sure I was that too that's the one that died that year and I think that was the last part of it, it was like okay let the asshole part die first and then let the sort of lesser asshole guy die afterwards <laughs> and that's the one i think that needed to hang on so much because it was like from my for my entire adult life from the time i turned 18 onward i was always i had a job to identify with a career path like a structure that people were telling you you had to be the high and tight haircut and all that crap it was like yeah that didn't want to let go so i think that second one was the hardest one to let go of and i think that's it was just that shaking loose like are you familiar with what um cymatics are 
No. So you ever Cy- see the cymatics? Cymatics. So like they take sand and put it on a metal plate. I tell oh, this all the yeah, time. Yeah. yeah, and they like yeah. play the tones and it like makes almost yes. like a snowflake shape. Uh, so and then when cool. it goes from one frequency and it goes upwards in octaves, it goes in disarray and then it snaps into a more complex shape and it does that every single time Freaking it goes insane. to another it's awesome it's but, so cool like we go through the same exact thing so like that disarray of the Ooh. dark night of the soul was literally just shifting to a higher more complex operating system and the disarray went away as soon as I accepted what was coming next and wasn't so worried about hanging on to the crap of the past. Don't try and stay with that pattern that doesn't want to stay. Let the disarray happen. Let it shake out and snap into that more complex, evolved version of whatever thing is going to resonate with you going on into the future. And on the other side of that, this show was birthed and this has turned into everything that it's become. Whoa. it's It's crazy stuff. I love that comparison. That's really cool. Either complex compare or that less to your complex. Own life. However, yeah. That's compare amazing. that to your own life. Like, look at the different evolutions you've gone through, and I'm sure you could overlay that same exact story. Oh my gosh, 100%. That's really cool. I love that comparison. That was my, my mind exploded. Sometimes you say things, and I'm like, what? <laughs> That's <laughs> the point. So cool. That's the I point. love that. Not many people can do that for me. So I just, I love talking to you. So thank That's you. That's great. That's great. I can do that for some people. <laughs> <laughs> Other people are like, what an idiot. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. There's some people just change the channel whenever they hear this kind of stuff. Like, oh, he's going off on the deep end again. Or some people Here just start goes going again. cross-eyed. Freaking yep. <laughs> But like we were talking before about like the egoic mind and, and that versus knowing like this all relates yeah. to everything yeah. we were just talking about. We go from talking about tuition, intuition to this egoic mind, the, you know, the knowing yeah. of the intuition to the egoic mind and how those things don't mesh well sometimes with each other. No, Why? no, no, Why? no. Yeah, I was like, at first I was like having a hard time with uh, when you were saying ego death, because I was like, you know, the ego doesn't die. But in a way, I, I like it to extent where it does, it doesn't die, but it, there is a death. There's like the symbolism of death during the dark night of the soul, during mm. what I was happening to me this week. Um, but for anybody that doesn't know, the ego is only meant to the mechanism of the ego is only meant to observe our experiences and inform us of what's happening Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like this uh the unconscious mind it's uh working in the background it's like hey just so you know uh heath is looking at you right now and you're having a conversation right but uh and it's really the defense mechanism of sorts and back in the day uh the ego was operating great it was like there's a saber tooth tiger like that's not good and then of course like you your consciousness your authentic self your higher self whatever you want to call it would take over and start the decision making of okay what do i do there's a saber tooth tiger what do i do now um or even uh going up uh in tribal relations uh surviving you know way back in the day being able to survive during those times and and kind of like uh, move up in the ranks like your ego was a great part of that it was like hey this dude not very trustworthy just letting you know right right so over the time the ego uh we feared things more and more because society just started evolving and getting smarter and so the ego came to the forefront 
and it started taking over the show. And so now it's like, think about this. I know that everybody can relate with this. And if not, you're a, you're a beautiful, beautiful soul. <laughs> but think about like when you're driving a car and like maybe like you're just thinking about things and then like you do something on the road that just pisses somebody off. And they're like, yeah, fuck you, man. And they're just like flipping you off. Well, your ego is just like, oh, I protect him. And you're just like, no, fuck you, man. Like just like it flips the other person off, right? Whereas if your ego was not at the forefront and it was behind you and, and you were living like from your knowing, you would know, oh, you know what? I was just totally in my thoughts. I probably cut this person off. They're angry because their own ego is trying to protect them. And you just keep driving. Mm-hmm. You would just observe the situation and it would be fine. Like you would have love for that person. Like, but that's not what happens. So we've all just, uh, we came to this world, we came very no filtered, very, uh, we had just pure awareness as children, right? Like we would create and we'd play and we'd have fun. Like we didn't have identity. We didn't have these beliefs. We didn't have labels. Um, and so the ego needs that. It thrives off of that. And we've created that as children. The problem is, is that we don't learn how to deal with any of that. So we have these, um, we have these uh, thoughts about what success should look like or our self-worth or our relationships or whatever it is. And the importance of, you know, understanding ego versus um, ego versus knowing is um, being able to set the ego aside and come from a place of knowing, which is really our authentic self. And um, yeah. Uh, I think so I how covered do you know all. when you're there? Like, how how can you tell the difference? You know, because that ego can be so loud. You know, and I've I've heard the great abbreviations yes. of ego, like everybody's greatest obstacle, ego, or edging God out, ego. Like how that voice <laughs> can be so loud? You know that that thing that says, "No, f you, man. I was in the right. This is my lane in the highway, and you cut me off." Like what? how do you actually differentiate between that really loud ego that some people identify so hard with versus that intuitive knowing that is the thing that's trying to take you off those forks in the road like we talked about before and send you in this direction that's going to make you more connected not edging god out but it going in the other direction like how do you know yeah so i mean consciousness can really only be shifted via repetition and so how I did it was first I was made known like, whoa, there is an ego operating in the background. And actually I'm on auto drive and in my thoughts all the time because of ego. So in order to separate that, presence is very, very important. And I know that's like, everyone's like, yeah, presence. I've heard that before. Like, can't do it. I'm so ADHD. I'm so in my head all the time. Like, I got shit to do. I can't be present. You know, I'm not going to meditate. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely one of those people yeah. for sure. Um, but there is a way. And um, the first thing I would say is recognizing when you are in your thoughts, like setting the intention now of like, you know, what? I'm, I want to know, like, when am I in my thoughts? Because you think you are, you think you're creating the thoughts, but you're not. The thoughts are happening to you. And so we can actually start observing and cutting the thoughts off, but we can only do that when we recognize the thoughts are coming in. And so I would say what I did is I set the intention of like, okay, I'm going to, um, I'm going to write on my hand. That was the, actually how I did it. I wrote feel, feel 
and um, I wrote like thoughts on my hand. So anytime I would, you know, get on my computer or look at my hand, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to make sure that I just make a, ne- a mental note of I was just in my thoughts. And I would do that all day long. I'd get in my head thoughts and I'd be like, well, I was just thinking a lot. And I would do that. And then if I got my thoughts again, that was totally okay. But I would do that over and over and over. And once I started recognizing, I'm like, wow, I'm thinking literally all day long. Mm. I would recognize when I'm in my, sorry, recognize when I'm in my thoughts. And then I would tap into the five senses, which we covered earlier. Not very well, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I tap in the five senses and I'd be present and whether that lasted 30 seconds or five minutes, I mean, five minutes. Yeah. Right. But like during that time, no, um, 30 seconds, a minute, that was great. And then I'd go on with my day. So I would do this, this repetition over and over and over again. And I'm at the point where now it's like, it's not necessarily that I don't have thoughts, but I can recognize it almost instantly when I have Mm. thoughts. So it's all about repetition and, and, once you can start recognizing the thoughts, you can recognize what the thoughts are telling you. Is it positive? Is it negative? It's overthinking? Is it overanalyzing? Am I stressed? Am I worried? All of that ego. So recognize the thoughts and then you can start separating from it by being like, this is ego. This is knowing. But that's the first step. Um, And this is something I teach within my program too, because I don't want to overload that's it's so important not to overload to people with too much knowledge because like you can take it in but then you're like well where to start like where do yeah. i start it's information um, overload it's information overload and it doesn't do anything for you to be honest like yes it might spark you know an idea but until you have an experiential understanding of something like what's the point mm. like an, emb- an embodiment of the knowledge then you what's know, the point of- it, sorry go ahead no, so, you're good. Like where people often go in in the early stages of it, because like I'm still I still consider myself my I consider myself a beginner because there's so much I know. No, you know, I'm learning from people all the time. And one of my biggest mentors has a saying that we best teach what we need to learn. So that's why I'm doing this show. I, I learned this stuff and I'm like excited to talk to other people about it. But I mean, the circle around me, I mean, I don't want to like shit on my area around here because especially since this is on like local TV, but like the people who are into the show and who are like, you know, an hour in at this point on this are likely people who are into this kind of stuff and the other people who are flipping the channel saw me talking again and went like, oh, where's the NASCAR race? I'm sorry, I'm going to pick on people. Like <laughs> I'm being judgy. I'm being judgy, but no, Let really, like the people who aren't into this kind of stuff aren't going to be into it. And, you know, this, it, it, it's hard to say the things I want to say without getting without getting super judgy on people. But yeah, you I know, mean, Heath, it's okay because there's something there for you. Like if you're judging something, there's something within yourself there. But like, let it in, man. Like we're all judging all the fucking time. Like, right. it's true. But you it's get okay. the information overload. Like you start to learn this stuff and you'll like say people who tune into the podcast. I get people who write me emails and send me Instagram messages and stuff like that. And they'll say, oh, I'm binging your show. Well, don't binge it so much like totally appreciated but 
you know, the point is to like listen to some of these concepts and then sort of let it marinate, let these things come yes. in. But when you first start to open your mind towards a lot of these things and you hear conversations to people like us who've kind of been through the shit and we've processed a lot of stuff and now we're sort of out there still learning our way, but trying to help people start on that journey, like take that first step. Like we took a couple of first steps to get out of those really, really dark times. Like, yeah, we have our, like the stock market, not the current stock market because it's at the bottom, but like <laughs> the ups and a little bit of a down and then another up and a little bit of a down. We'll always have those. But to start that journey upward is where we sort of are at. And some people just want more and more and more of that information without information integration like you need to right. take that yeah. and pull it into yeah. your body and and put it into practice in your life and you know i know the excitement that comes in the enthusiasm of this stuff but people also need to do exactly what you said like you need to sort of just let this integrate totally and i was there once and until somebody told me hey like like I, how did you word it you said information integration yeah I love that. Yeah. So experiential understanding, uh, information integration. I didn't, I was doing the same. I was like, aliens. And then I was like, t you know, I'm on my computer, just like typing away, finding all. And so I, you know, I still research. I love it. It's so much fun. Yeah. But um, I didn't know that was a thing until I experienced it and then understood it. And I was like, this is what life's about. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like the best example that I could ever think of is, when you love somebody so deeply like whether it's your kids your spouse your you know family whatever like love like that's experiential understanding like mm -hmm. something that you could explain i suppose but like it's hard because like you if you've embodied it you know what love feels like but like for me i'm not gonna go out and be like so a belief is not really knowing a belief is like i believe i can do this we'll see what happens even if it's a strong belief, like I believe I can go and be like a be a boxer, go and like knock Heath out, but like most likely than not, like don't know, have no idea. That's not you experiential take me understanding. Yeah, one point. <laughs> All right, I would. Let's be real, I would. I'm just kidding. I'm scrappy. I'm a softie now. <laughs> like I'm a dad. I'm done. Know. I'm done. <laughs> but no, I get what you're saying. Like you, you have the experiential stuff that needs to be. You know, I guess expressed, you know, and a lot of people just don't don't get to those certain points where they're giving themselves even a chance, I think, you know, and I don't know where that comes from. They they don't I don't know, almost like they don't want to get better. They don't want to. For sure. Absolutely. Know, like sometimes they're their own worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad because I don't know if you're like me, like I'm a healer. So like I want to help everybody. And I've made um you know a lot of mistakes through that i'm like give you know unwarranted advice or um put things out there where like people just aren't ready for it and i've gotten to a space now and actually i would say i'm still working on it because i still like love people so much and want to heal them but um or help them heal themselves but i'm to a point where i'm like you know what not everybody's my responsibility and not everybody's gonna be ready for this work and uh not everybody's gonna maybe eventually get to the work that we do. Mm -hmm. So it is what it is. It's yeah, life. The red pill. We're all on our own journeys, soul contracts. Yeah. The red pill, yeah. You got the red pill and you got the blue pill and you cannot shove that red pill down anybody's throat as <laughs> much as you want to. You, you know, you get in those conversations with people and you want to. But I have to say, like, some of the most fascinating thing, I feel like I've, 
I've almost got it down to a little bit of an art form where I've thrown a tiniest little tidbit on something where I take the most super like super interesting things on a certain subject and I'll start to talk about it and be like, oh yeah, totally go look this up on like YouTube or something because like when people learn, most people are really visual learners. Like I remember my, like I could listen to a, a book, I could read a book, but if I watched a movie on the book, I will remember more of the movie than anything. I've done that before and it's just like, I remember the visual scenes rather than the thing that my mind made up of the words I was hearing or reading. So you go and you, you plant this little seed with something and I did it as complicated as something like um, the dual slit experiment. Are you familiar with that with quantum physics? Like a, It's like a big huge thing on, uh, we'll dive into that sometime because that's a lot, like a huge rabbit hole I don't want to go down. I know, right I'm now. like, but, tell me now. Oh dude, yeah, it's I'm such a fascinating okay. subject. Basically. <laughs> It is the scientific experiment, and it's happened several times over, and it actually started back in the 1800s, and then I think again in like the 1930s, and there's like the most world-renowned physicist dove into it several different times to either prove or disprove it, and it kept on getting weirder and weirder, where they basically shot protons, particles of light, small little particles of sun pretty much, at a slit in a, at a microscopic level. And they went through this slit, and when they hit the back wall, they were just going in a line, even with the slit. And then they put two slits on the wall to see if, basically the, the general gist of the experiment was to find out if light was a particle or a wave. It can't be both. So they put two slits in the wall, and they said if they fire these particles towards that wall, and they got these two slits in it, and it hits the barrier behind it and makes two slits, because those particles are either bouncing off the first barrier and making it through those slits and hitting the second barrier. If there's two lines, they behave as a particle. But if they go through that barrier and you see this weird interference pattern that waves would make if you sent a wave of water through it, you'd have these high and low points of energy where the waves are hitting that back wall, then light is a wave. So they did this experiment and it turned out to be a wave. They saw the interference pattern. They're like, oh, so light is actually a wave. So they're Whoa. like, okay, well, let's actually look at one of the slits at one time with this measuring device. And they did the experiment again, and the particles went through and only made two bands. They didn't make an interference pattern exactly. <laughs> you got that look all the time when I say this. <laughs> the act of observing it as a particle made the particles behave, made it behave as a particle. It literally was the observer effect. It's the thing. Yeah. So now that I see that look on your face, go look this up on YouTube and everybody listening, go look this experiment up. And even if they, they got these really corny cartoons that will explain it. And once you watch this like two to three minute cartoon and you see a visual representation of exactly what I'm talking about, you're going to be like, oh my God, tell me more. Like look up more about this stuff. But I've done this to even like a 14-year-old relative. And I had her weeks later texting me like, hey, what was that thing you were telling me about? And blah, 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 blah. And I told her. And like these text messages just ensued back and forth. So that little seed planted at a barbecue. I'm talking about this stuff at a barbecue. <laughs> like that led to a conversation likely that was happening on a Saturday night between some teenage kids. And like that's that's – that leads to, the, again, those what-ifs of all this stuff that we're talking about. Reality is effing weird. Our physical reality, everything. Like, you think that the act of observing a quantum particle 
changed whether it was behaving like a particle or a wave like that blows your mind and i'm a as much of a basic beginner as i can possibly be in trying to describe this but it's nuts this stuff is crazy okay number one you said that so well and explained that so well and then number two i think that i've you know i think when i was this must have been like 12 years ago or 10 years ago, I watched a Netflix documentary on quantum physics or something like that. And it was something similar to what you just said, uh, just a little bit different, but it was still pretty mind blowing. I wonder if they still have it on there because it was just, I, it was something with the light. And if you look away, like if it'll operate a specific way, like the lights, if they're moving, mm-hmm. I could be saying this so wrong. Sorry guys, if I am, but um if you're looking, it's doing a specific movement, and then you look away, and it starts doing a different. The observation of looking at it makes it do a completely different. I don't know. Yeah, does that make sense? And basically, <laughs> you can explain said, it better. That was so good. Wow. Yeah, but like when I guess when there's not an observer, the particles went into this thing that they called a quantum superposition. So basically, the particles went everywhere. It literally showed every possible. Chills. Yeah, like the particles went all over the place and made every potential spot that could have happened, which that then threw a whole other question in there is like, so are all those whimsical things that people talk about that we manifest our reality, that what we observe is what manifests in our world, are, am I literally a figment of your reality that I don't really exist? You're dreaming this dream and like, if you have a dream tonight and I was in your dream, is that really me? I don't have a memory of that. Am I literally a figment of your imagination right now? And that goes into the way they looked at this experiment, the quantum superposition of all these particles going everywhere all at once when they weren't being observed literally meant there was this infinite amount of possibilities and you collapse the waveform when you make a certain observation. Like, yeah, like, which is so beautiful that you say that because it goes to say like we are creating our reality like you hear that all the time you're creating reality you're co-creating with the universe but it's true because if you can look at that and then you can separate from the ego like what exactly is standing in your way like literally nothing right if you're aligning with your authentic self with your knowing you're trusting your intuition you're trusting the universe and ego is out of the way like if it, if I, whoa, you got my mind just like really, dude. <laughs> Rambled that egg right again, up. <laughs> again, I'm like, what am I saying? Because it just, you know, how like you're thinking and then it just goes off different tangents and you're like, yeah. there's so many possibilities. But yeah, there's literally infinite possibilities in life. And that is like one example, which is oh, yeah. so crazy. Oh, yeah. So cool. I love that stuff. It's cool stuff. And the the amazing part about it is it's not like just some story that some dude on a podcast is making up. Like these are actual scientific experiments from the people that I geek out on this stuff like all the time. Like people, people, what do you Netflix binge? Uh, You know, I actually binge the the quantum physics experiments and the stuff that comes out of (laughs) the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland, like their latest experiment, you know, like. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. That's the stuff that I look into. I don't, you know. I don't know. 
Are you I'm, nerding out right now? Oh, totally nerding out right now. I don't know. Absolutely nerding out right now. I mean, I do this on a regular basis, but the thing is usually I'm just kind of doing this by myself and talking to the camera on my own and having thousands of people listen on the other side and <laughs> never having a two-way conversation about it. Yeah. But yeah, no, I've made connections with some people who are actually like brilliant physicists and I'm, so I'm cool. waiting for the right time to actually pull the trigger. They're like, oh, I'd love to be on your show. So like we're going to have some people on here and have these conversations from people who legit have studied this like phds who know this stuff oh inside and out. so yeah it's it's amazing stuff so like on that subject other than right now what do you think was one of your biggest aha moments that sort of like blew things up for you um as far as the journey you've kind of been on to get you into what you're doing now and some of the passions that you have in life like was there an aha moment because some people they can't pick one um, I don't really even know that I can, other than maybe when I saw this experiment, type, you know, this kind of stuff. But, like, was there a moment for you? Yes. Um, I mean, we've talked about actually a few of them. I mean, huge aha, like the mediumship or the unknown or mm. that there's life after death and there's past lives. And, um, I mean, that whole metaphysical field, I can go into a rabbit hole there. But I would say that something simple aha moment was that um all right i wasn't gonna go here but i will (laughs) Go because we talked about we actually talked about a lot of aha moments for me but i think that because i was diagnosed you know with depression and adhd um and even i was uh uh prescribed adderall like freaking adderall adderall is like speed Adderall for 10 years of my life, like truly, the moment that was like an aha was I didn't realize um, that I could not label myself with ADHD. Like I didn't realize that for me it was a label and through presence, um, through presence, I didn't experience the symptoms or the behavior of ADHD. Hmm. That's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a moment where I was like, man, like I'm, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm getting so addicted, like after 10 years of taking Adderall, like, how do you not get addicted, especially mm-hmm. going through the trauma and the, my mom's death and all the things, um, I got addicted to it. And I was like, I, I, this is so bad. Like I was, I haven't said this literally on any other podcast or any other, anything. And Heath, something about you, Heath, I always want to tell you stuff. <laughs> Pulling um, it on out. Yeah. I, uh, I was so addicted to the point where I was taking my prescribed medication, which was 40 milligrams a day. It's a lot. And then I would get through the whole, probably my whole bottle within three to five days. And I would reach out to other people who were selling Adderall and I would take, and I'd buy like a shit ton of Adderall. So I was probably taking 150 milligrams a day. And I was so, and I was like, this is not good. Like, this is really not good. Like, I wanted to take it when I was going to see people. Like, it was a true addiction. So now I can understand addiction. Not only mm-hmm. having a mother who experienced, I can understand it, which is a cool thing. Right. But um, so I wanted to get off of it. And I was like, well, I'm so ADHD. Like, I have all the symptoms of ADHD. Like, how am I going to operate in the world and function? Because I was, in, especially in the job that I was at the time, like, I had to really i was a a high overachiever functioner like um yeah it was intense like Mm. i had to be on point all the time like i was coaching so many different business owners um 
And so I ended up weaning myself off Adderall with the help of somebody else. And, and then long story short, I got into presence through somebody through a, through a mentor. And when I started practicing presence, like almost within two weeks, I stopped like feeling the symptoms of ADHD. Like I could focus again. Um, I didn't have like the monkey mind, like the crazy, like mental thoughts. Um, and you know, any other symptom of ADHD, like it just kind of like alleviated, like, and that was a huge aha moment for me of um, identification and labels um, because I was uh, highly identifying with that for so many years of like, oh, I'm so like, oh, I'm scatterbrained. Oh, it's because I'm ADHD. Like, right. you know, like creating the excuse. And I'm sorry if this triggers somebody out there. And I, I'm not a doctor. This is my experience mm-hmm. fully. I'm not giving any medical advice. <laughs> But for me, being able to to not identify with ADHD or depression or with anxiety or any other thing that I was diagnosed with was the coolest, one of the coolest moments in my life. Hard, very difficult. Oh, yeah. Very cool. But worth it. And I'm sure we could, both freaking worth it, man. And I'm sure we could talk about this like so long, but that is an aha moment Mm. for sure. So when you say you practice presence, like what what is maybe an example? Because I know there's so many different ways of doing it, but like what was what was one of maybe the first ways or maybe the most poignant way that you practice presence? Like what does that mean? Yeah, so a lot of people meditate. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to sit there and meditate. I'd rather be out in nature. So what I would do, I think I said before, I would write feel and thoughts. So I'd recognize in my thoughts, and when I was in my thoughts, um, I'd go outside even in, during a work day or when I could, I'd go outside and I'd start looking at the trees because trees and plants and grass, like everything's so beautiful outside. And I would use that instead of like sitting there on my floor in my room and meditating and just being and like trying to get out of my head and like beating myself up for it. I was like, you know, I'm going to go walk in nature to so go outside. I'd, I would um, look at the, you know, the trees and I'd see the contrast of the colors. And then all of a sudden, like, the more I was being present, I would see, you know, the vibrancy of everything. Um, or I'd, you know, and then I would be like, okay, I just looked at something. Now I'm going to, what do I smell? Ah, oh, that smells like grass or freshly mowed cut grass. And then I would just move through the senses. And I would do this all the time for probably, I think it took two weeks. Um, and then, of course, after that, I was like, well, this is, and I just want to make this clear. Presence can never be a habit. A habit is unconscious. You have to make a conscious choice to be present. Um, but I would say uh, through repetition, it's not a habit, but it's 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 in the conscious awareness of wanting to do it. Mm. So yeah, so I, the more I was present, the more I was like able to, so let's say I needed to focus on my computer. I had been practicing presence, so I knew what that felt like. So I would like, I would just be fully in it, if that makes sense. Like I would, mm. if I was typing my computer, it's not that I wasn't aware of like what I was typing or like the feel of the computer. It's just that I was excited because I was being fully present and I didn't have to worry about all the other things outside of what I was doing in that moment. That's mm. the best way to explain it. The thing Do you know is, what that feels like? Yeah. Like, and, and there's, when you think about what we are as like an organism, like a human organism, 
we are weird when it comes to like everything else in the natural world. Cause like, like say you take like a, like a gazelle that sits, it's out there, it's eating grass or whatever. And then all of a sudden like lion starts chasing after it, that gazelle's adrenaline kicks in and it's running for its life. It's, it's just doing the only thing it's trying to do is to get away. It gets away. And 10 minutes later, it's back to eating grass. Once the threat's gone, it goes back and it starts eating grass and its adrenaline system completely shuts down. But what do we do? We're thinking about the bills we need to pay. We think about the screw up that we yeah. had years ago. And our yeah. system is in that fight or flight that the gazelle moves into momentarily to save its life. We're in that crap all the time. But what is that gazelle doing? It's in a presence moment all the time. It's the complete opposite of us. And like, that's what drains us. That's what ages us. That's what makes our, you know, all that energy that you expend, that the thought processes, the electricity that goes into processing thoughts, whether they're conscious or unconscious, you're sitting there and you're constantly, you know, your heart's fluttering. You're worrying about things like that takes significant amounts of energy, but to shift away from that because I was one of those people. Like I remember those heart flutters that I would have over work and and all my problems in my life. I can't even remember the last time I felt that. It's been years. Maybe a momentary thing when a specific person or problems in front of me, but like I remember that being my every day and moving into a state of presence that is our natural state is what sort of got that away. Like that mental muscle that you strengthen when you're meditating. I, I call it that because I know like when you're in a really good deep, I meditate all the time. So it's like at first I Great. hate it, but I, I know what it's like to be in that state of meditation and you get there when you've pushed everything out and it's hard. It's very hard, especially for very someone hard. Like me. I'm all over the damn road all the time. Like sure. I probably would be classified as ADHD. Um, but I use that mental muscle to push out everything, to silence the rest, to try and get as present as I possibly can. That's why I wear my little fruity bracelets and stuff like that all the time. Like I, I people pick on me about like a weird beaded bracelet and stuff all the time, but like I'll just grab a hold of it while I'm during my day, just like you would have the think and feel on your hand. Like you're telling that story and I'm like, I have my think and feel. It's just in the form of like different bracelets I get. They'll remind me of the time I was at a place when I bought it and I was excited to have it and it means something to me, but that puts me in a state of presence, you know? So See, that's great. Thing. That's great. Yeah. Cause anybody can do it a different way, whatever best works for them. Cause mm -hmm. meditation is great. It just didn't work for me when I first started. So I, I wanted to do it out. I mean, I did it the way naturally how it felt good to me walking out in nature. So now if I sit down, it feels so good to just sit down and meditate. But at the time, it just, it really didn't work for me. So that's really cool that you can do it. And also, I love the bracelet idea. That's great. Do you usually fidget around with your bracelets? Yeah. Like, I'll be okay. like, even like today, super stressful day. Like I said, we had to take like 10 or 15 minutes just to talk before we hit record on the microphone because I was yeah. just wound up. And a few times today, I'm just sitting there and I got the thing on and you know, at first I'm shifting, like I said, from all these years of Mr. Tough Guy and all that kind of stuff. And now I'm wearing like beaded bracelets and <laughs> I don't care. Like I have zero concern about judgment at this point. Like the people who judge me with the crazy crap I talk about on this show and everything else, I don't care. You know, the people who judge me for like maybe driving around in a car that's got a funky license plate on it. You know, you know something about the license plate, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew I was going to bring that up today. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's like an inside joke that uh, alexis put something on i think you had a post or something about people's weird license plates and i think i sent you a picture of mine and you're like what does that mean and it's just ltl you you couldn't get that alexis live this life no I'm a little say? too full like, of myself because I'm like, how do you not know this, man? Like, how do you not know live so this life? That's so freaking funny. Oh but no, my gosh. like, you let the judgment go. Like, who cares? Like, ultimately, some of the people who judge you the hardest are the ones you probably could care less about. Oh my gosh, it's so true. I mean, there's something um, about judgment. Like, whenever like somebody is judging, or when we're judging, like, there's. 100% some I'm like let me tell you guys what I feel about judgment sorry <laughs> um <laughs> I'm gonna judge judgment <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna judge judgment right now um yeah whenever you're judging whenever I'm judging whenever anybody else is judging like I love it I kind of love it actually because there's something there for us mm-hmm. for example like if I was judging you for what's something simple like if you were like Alexis, the sky isn't blue. It's green. It's green. If there was something there for me as far, far as like within myself that I need to resolve, um, then I'd be judging you, right? But like if there was nothing there, I'd be like, okay, sure. You can think the sky's green. Like that's cool. So does that make sense? Yeah. I was like trying to think of something simple there, but like there's anytime there's a judgment, there is something there for us to resolve within ourselves. Like, it wouldn't affect us otherwise. Right. Right. Which and is I mean, cool. I like it. I like judgment. I'm and I, I was judgy earlier it. about talking about the people who are probably flipping a NASCAR or whatever. But it's like, no, you know what? I know some of the people who actually listen to this show who love that kind of stuff. I'm just that was that was super judgy of me to say something of about you. those types of people. Absolutely. It's because about there's there's a stereotype there's a stereotype that i have about maybe people who like to watch cars drive around in a circle that they wouldn't be into this kind of stuff but complete opposite you never know who i I would hope to open the hearts and minds of anybody who i think wouldn't be into this kind of thing because then it completely proves every judgment that i would ever have wrong you know yeah and it totally could be like the sense of like how you probably judged people like this back in the past Mm -hmm. um and so you feeling that way towards you know making that statement or whatever it's totally okay because like you probably felt that way once and so there's something there for you to resolve of like actually like it's okay to change i'm here where i am now i like talking about this stuff and yes i was there in the past like that's not me anymore and and does that make sense like that's where the resolvement is yeah because uh, I'm sure yeah. people judged me at a certain point. They're like, wait a minute, Heath's doing what with what? He's doing a podcast on this stuff? Like, that guy? Like, that was the same type of stereotypical judgment that people would have had. Like, people can transform. You would hope they would. You would hope that anybody who was going through a really rough time would find a way to transform and not have to take some sort of prescription medication and be able to handle everything naturally mm-hmm. and literally feel more free and healthy than they ever did than the life that they used to live before you could hope like everyone should hope that for every single person around them they can transform something to be a better version of themselves that they're healthier and happier with like how would you not want that for people totally totally i mean the ego does not like change so i feel like and the ego is is the one that judges so Mm-hmm. If we can all just put that in our minds and understand that, like, you know what? This is where I, I have some inner work to do here um, instead of judging or judging. Because I do that, too, sometimes. I'm like, wait, I don't mean to judge this person. But I'm like, whoa, 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 back up. 
the ego is, is coming to the forefront again. Like, how can I, how can I uh, heal? How can I heal myself through this? Um, through self-awareness. That through, takes us to through, <laughs> a self-awareness coach. So tell us, tell us what sort of things that people would expect. You know, say people want to reach out to you. They want to connect with you. You know, what does it mean to hook up with somebody who's a self-awareness coach? Like what sort of things do you take people through so that they can become more aware of themselves and the sort of avenues that you take people into and the tools that you have at your disposal to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so what I would help people through is, I mean, it's different for everybody else, but I will say that um, I have specific elements or structure that I have in place. And outside of that, it's really what they bring to the table. So if they're experiencing anxiety, if they're experiencing stress, um, depression, you know, whatever it is, whatever they bring to the table, I promise that I can help. I don't know why I'm speaking to you, Heath. I promise that I can help you with it. But outside of that, my structure is really teaching you about more about the ego, separating from the ego and letting um, and teaching you how to uh, let it observe and inform you of your experiences without it, you know, hijacking your situation. I teach you how to become more present. And it's not just like, hey, leave this uh, session, be more present. No, I give you actually tactile, tangible um actionable steps um to be able to do so i also help you pull up fucking limiting beliefs like i just like this is like oh man this is the juice right here like the limiting beliefs are you know i'm not successful i'm not worthy i'm not lovable i xyz whatever it is that you're attaching yourself to it is pretty pretty easy to pull it up so i ask you the right questions to help you pull it up to the surface, look at it and see what is the truth and let it go so that it no, no longer affects you anymore. So um, those are the biggest things. And the outcome of all of this is just leaving, leaving um, a happier, healthier, more authentic life where you wake up on Monday morning and you're like, fuck yeah, let's go. And so excited. Um, and, and being able to get away away from you know that inner critic and the inner thoughts that are really running the show uh day in and day out we're our own worst enemy sometimes and most of the time like we started this conversation off by saying it so um i think you're doing amazing stuff i mean i definitely think that you the some of the content that you have on on everything that you do and some of the conversations like we get into some of the awesomest conversations on clubhouse and the stuff that gets dropped it's like man why isn't someone recording this stuff like this is this is gold for an episode of a podcast and i'm definitely going to hit you up because i i I did a potential uh uh, like a like a concept episode with somebody yesterday and i'm like oh man the whole time i'm thinking i'm like if me and alexis were on a panel this person was like a guest and we just got to like jam with this person like that would make golden stuff so we'll have to chat about that later on but i mean the stuff that yeah yeah like we could definitely get into some awesome conversations once i hit stop on the record button we'll we'll chat for a couple minutes afterwards okay um yeah i think i think what you've got going on the understanding that you have and some of the insights that we've shared just today and the other stuff if you guys aren't on clubhouse get on there and find alexis and you know search some of the people out that are in our circles but we have these amazing conversations like right now I feel like we're in the midst of several different common rooms that we were in and there's nothing there like to take their place. Like a few people have gotten really busy and they've 
sort of yeah. transitioned their regularly scheduled programming. You know, they've they've moved on to something and they've they've not able to take it. So we'll have to announce some different things if we're going to have some rooms or something like that. So some of the listeners can jump on. We can put some times up and stuff like that because they got to they got to get some of the live version of what Alexis can jam on every once in a while. <laughs> Thank you. So what's the number one message that you would like to listen to some uh, people would you'd like to leave with some of the listeners to walk away from this episode knowing about themselves and their overall potential that they have in life? Yeah, wow. Um, You are not your thoughts. You are not your emotions. You are love and consciousness and you can tap into that any day it's not woo woo it's it's i know this through experiential understanding um and you're able to separate from your thoughts and and the inner critic and the worry the stress the doubt the depression the anxiety the fear the limiting beliefs the identity all of it and it doesn't leave you bare without anything but it you certainly will live each day feeling more fulfilled and loving life there isn't a missing piece or a void um, that you might feel throughout your life. It's a, uh, it's a different feel. It's, it's almost, sorry. I'm, I'm, it's, it's almost difficult to explain because it's just, it's just living and loving, <laughs> living and loving each day of every life. We've been talking for like two hours. So I'm like, I don't know guys, <laughs> just leave whatever you think, whatever you got, <laughs> whatever you got, just live life, man. That's the just bottom live line. It. <laughs> Yeah, live your best. Live your best life. Do whatever you want. Absolutely. I don't know. Just kidding. <laughs> Where can people find you, Alexis? Where can they find more of you? Where can they they connect with you? Okay, you can add me on Facebook. Please do, uh, Alexis McQuillan, M C Q U I L L E N. I also have a Facebook page. All of my handles are I am Moonchild Official. And you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Awesome. Um, and my website is IamMoonChild.com. If you think that you're like, you know what? I want to live my best life. <laughs> Please reach out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Please reach out. Um, I would love to speak with you. Um, and yeah, let's do some healing together. Beautiful. And all the links to everything Alexis just said, I'll put them in the show notes so you'll be able to check it out there. And I'm sure this will not be the first and last time that, or the the last time that Alexis will be on the show, hoping for many more conversations and to see her more regularly on here. So hopefully we'll, we'll be seeing you sometime very soon. Yes. Yes. All right, Alexis, I will let you go. What's that? I want you to go. Yes. I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) once is enough i'm just happy i got through the episode without the kombucha affecting me on the microphone so i'm gonna hit stop on this before it does so (laughs) all right pleasure talking with you alexis you too thank you for having me on A huge thanks to Alexis for stopping by the show. Always a pleasure to connect with her and dive into some of these awesome concepts and things that we talk about uh, like we do on Clubhouse very often. If you're not on that app, get on there, try and find us and tens of thousands of other like-minded people who have amazing conversations on a daily basis. And if you want to connect with Alexis further, then head to her website, IamMoonChild.com 
or check her out on Facebook and Instagram at I am Moonchild Official. Thank you to everybody for listening and for your support. And please make sure if you haven't already gone on to whatever platform you're listening on, drop us a rating and review. All the ratings and reviews entered for the month of June will be put into a drawing for a small little token of my appreciation, a small little gift bag of swag from the show. So if you leave a rating and review, take a screenshot, send it to me on Instagram so we can enter you in the drawing. And if you have an interesting or inspiring story to tell and want to jump on a possible episode of the show, reach out. Maybe we can connect. You can reach me at connect at livethislife.org. That's C-O-N-N-E-C-T at livethislife.org. Or you can book a time to talk with me directly through the Calendly page for an episode concept at calendly.com forward slash livethislife.